Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. I'm your host, Jason Tardick, and this is the pre-trading market segment. Now, I asked you guys, do you want me to continue this intro section where I do a little pre-market trading update before our guest comes in? In all the reviews I saw on Apple, you guys said yes. So continue to give us five stars. Please make sure to hit the subscribe button. It's free to do so. It really helps us. Go to YouTube, follow Trading Secrets Podcast. Make sure you follow us on Instagram too, Trading Secrets Podcast. And of course, my handle on IG is Jason underscore Tardic. This episode is going to be one you really can't afford to miss. We have Barbara Corcoran on. Now, here's the deal. With Barbara Corcoran, she has done interviews left, right, and center. But I know how much spunk she has. I know how much spice she has. So I said, you know what? I am not going to let this interview be every single Barbara Corcoran interview. So I took so many curveballs, so many lefts, so many rights. I pushed the envelope as much as I possibly could, so much that one time she's like, no, I will not tell you that. But we talk about all about the behind the scenes of Shark Tank, things you definitely don't know like how they can negotiate, what they can negotiate, what due diligence looks like, what are some rules in place for the sharks that they never talk about. What was it like when Barbara actually got fired and then had to convince them to compete for her job to then get hired 14 seasons ago? I love this quote by Barbara. I am amazed at how much money notoriety is worth. Also, if you're looking to get into real estate, Barbara's the queen of it. She tells you all about real estate, where it's going, and she talked about specifically to the penny, the worst deal she ever has done. She talked about the best deal on Shark Tank, the dollar amount, the worst deal. I asked her straight up, Barbara, what do they pay you to go on Shark Tank and how much do you invest over the course of a season? Do you invest more than you make? Question mark. You'll find out. Talk about deal structures, the most important impressive celebrity she's ever met. And I said to her, who's one person on the entire planet right now, 2023, you would invest in? I think you'll be absolutely shocked, shocked about her answer. We also talk about the personal side of Barbara, her relationships, prenups, postnups. The number one thing, the number one thing you must know right now about your partner and their finances, you must ask them all about what my second book is about. And it was confirmed and endorsed by Barbara. So this episode's nuts. And I'll say this. This is the first time ever in the recap. I raise my voice. I get a little emotional. Scream a little bit. I'm yelling. You'll find out why. But this recap gets intense. Now let's give you just a little update of what's going on. This past week was great for the market. The S&P 500 rose slightly Friday. And for the first time, it reached the 4,300 benchmark. So... This is the first time since August 2022 that that occurred. So the S&P 500 is a huge indicator of the overall economy in the United States. Imagine just the 500 largest, most important companies in one basket, and then we get an average of what that basket is doing amongst all of them, and it gives us an indicator of what's going on in the market. And it's up big time, and it's up to the highest levels since August of 2022. Now, Next week is a big week because we will get new inflation inflation data. That'll give us an idea of what inflation looks like and where it's going, and that will influence the market. Another big announcement will be the Federal Reserve's latest policy announcement. You guys know this. You don't have to be a rocket scientist in finance to know. Rates have been going up and up and up and up consecutively. 
We haven't seen rates move this fast in this short a period of time and almost forever. Now, the question is why? Why is it happening? Well, they're increasing interest rates to battle the inflation issue that we're having in this country. And right now, we're seeing unemployment at all-time lows. But if unemployment actually goes up, which is crazy if you think about it. So if more people become unemployed, inflation comes down. It's wild, the inner workings of economics. But one thing you got to know for next week is there are all these, think about these little, these analysts moving 100 miles an hour. They're trying to predict the future. They use the data to predict the future. All the things in the world you probably wouldn't want to do on a day-to-day basis, working 24 hours a day. They are predicting and they're anticipating in the market right now, there's a 75% probability the central bank is going to pause its rate hiking campaign. So hopefully next week, we won't see rates go up. Now, here's another piece of information you might find fascinating. Inflation is actually really impacting the luxury handbag space. It's becoming unaffordable for an aspirational buyer to buy in the luxury space right now. So according to McKinsey & Company, huge consulting firm, for the first time in two years, high-income consumers Spending growth was negative. So 30% of U.S. luxury shoppers indicated that they would consider cutting down on spending on designer items. What does that mean to you? If the high income group is saying that they are going to cut down 30% on luxury goods, get ready to go because sales and decrease in prices within that space is the next thing coming. The other thing that's important, and you'll hear Barbara talk about it, there's a massive, massive shortage of housing right now. So that is why the housing market hasn't collapsed. Interest rates went up. That means demand went down because the cost of buying goes up. But the thing is, is there's such a short supply of houses that are on the market. So that has actually saved the entire like supply and demand in the real estate in the United States. In a balanced market, supply and demand, 64% of homes should be affordable to buyers who make $100,000 a year, right? And as a result, the market currently lacks about 285,000 of those listings. So essentially what they're telling you is that right now, people can't afford buying houses. The popular 30-year fixed mortgage rate we know is just over 6%. We talked about this last week. But at that level, buyers with an annual income of $100,000, slightly above the national medium, could afford a house with a maximum price of about $341,000. But just 39% of homes for sale were not listed at $341,000 or below. So there's some interesting economics. Here's some interesting personal finance things, even shopping events that are happening this week, 2023, right here, right now. Now for me, some business things to talk about, that, pre, that pre-qualified and pre-approval I was looking for last week, I got approved for it. So we'll see what happens. We'll see if I buy and what I buy and what it looks like. More to come on that. Last week, I did a great deal with Wyndham Rewards. It was awesome. So I got to travel to the Grandover uh, Greensboro, South Carolina Resort. We got food and beverage was taken care of. My parents came up. We got to play golf, and it was also paid. Now, for it, I'll have to post once 
I'll have three stories, and then I had to do nine media outlet interviews. The challenge with the media outlet interviews, a little behind the scenes of this whole influencing world, they want their brand to get into big publications. So what they'll do is they'll go out to all the different companies and the media outlets, and they'll ask them to take on an interview. Now, the big challenge is that, think about the people doing the interview, like E! News or Us Weekly. They want to hear the gossip and the tea. They want to know what's going on in your life. So you have to be able to give them enough information that's exciting for them to publish, but at the same time, you have to find ways to intertwine what you're actually doing and promote the brand you're with. So it's, it's a crazy world. If you guys have questions about this space, if there are things that you want me to cover in the pre-market segment section regarding just influencing and all the ins and outs or any questions, go to Apple, give me five stars. I promise I'll answer them. This one, I can't talk about the specifics of the mount, so I can't say it. But what I can do is give you a little hint. If you read the Restart Roadmap, my first book, I talk a little bit about what I made in my first year out of school. This deal pays more than the annual salary of that first job I had right out of school. It's a little hint. So that's without me telling it, you might have to go do the research there. That's a little bit about my week, my business week, what's going on, what's happening in the economy, and all about Barbara Corcoran. (laughs) Get ready to go because this gets spicy. I can tell you this, this will be a side of Barbara you haven't seen before. Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. Today, I am joined by entrepreneur, business leader, real estate investor, and my favorite shark, Barbara Corcoran. We all know Barbara is one of the savvy, high-powered investors on Shark Tank, but what you may not know is her unique and diverse business career that sparked the opportunity for her to be on the show. Barbara founded her real estate company in 1973, the Corcoran Group. Over the coming years, she grew her company from a small business into a $5 billion. That's B with a B, real estate empire, and since expanded her skill sets into many other ventures, such as becoming a best-selling author, motivational speaker, podcaster, this is one of the most 2023 things to say, content creator, television personality, and much more. Barbara, thank you so much for being here. We are excited to have you on. I'm afraid I'm going to disappoint you with that big role out there. Yeah, well, I mean, I could have kept going and going, but I had to cut it off somewhere. Your resume is stacked. 1973, (laughs) starting this company, 2023, and all the things in between. But what makes this interview hard, Barbara, is mm. you're so well known to my listeners. They know everything. They know the 20 jobs by 23. They know the jerk X that left you. So what I have to do is say, how are we going to make this interview different? Mm. We got to take some different angles here. I'm going to try to crack into vaults of trading secrets you have yet to share. I'm so I'm not going to share a thing with you. You're not going to share a no thing. Way, well, guess Jesus. what I'm going to do? I'm coming <laughs> fire and we'll see what happens. How okay, about that? Good All enough. right. Well, let's start with Corkin Group. So founded in 1973, sold the company in 2001 and you started with a thousand dollar investment. Market, borrowed money. The borrowed money. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, want the sob story, Barbara. Yeah, We've yeah. heard it. I'm You're the to best. Myself. I'm going to cry tonight. It. Let's get into something. Right now, we're seeing interest rates go up significantly. Mm-hmm. We're seeing the debt ceiling hit. There's just a lot of action. In 1981, you had to deal with interest rates peaking at over 21%, I think in the summer You're of 81. You're the only person who remembers that. Really? In the universe. Of course, nobody remembers those interest rates. Yeah. 21%. And this is one that surprised me. 1981, if you made over $215,400, you were taxed at 70%. 
I didn't remember that. 70%, which is equivalent right now to like 741,000 today. So you were at like the peak of what could be coming. Debt ceilings going up, interest rates are going up, Mm -hmm. everyone's scared. You've seen it, you've been there, and you thrived in it. Mm -hmm. What is your take on like just what's happening today given the environment? Number one, you get through it. You know, there's a problem around every corner when you're growing a business, when you're living your life, you get through it. Right now, everybody's scared. And they think the interest rates currently are high, but I do remember 18, 19, 21% when no one would buy a thing. People are buying. What's saving the market right now, in my opinion, is you get half the house you would have gotten two years ago, which is the bad news. But fortunately, people aren't putting the houses on the market. So there's not enough houses around. So right from now, things are stable. But if everyone decided to put their house in the market who wants to sell and didn't mind giving up their low interest rates to move, which they don't want to do with the sellers, we'd have a real problem. But we don't have that. It's a pretty stable market. What would you say to the people that are worried? Like, interest rates are 7%. This is crazy. You saw them at 21%. Yes, Like, course. what type of advice would, would you give those people I would say I always worried? made money on real estate, no matter what like interest that. point I bought it at. Personally, and in my investments as well, I always made money. You can decide when you buy a house, but you'll have no idea when life gives you changes and you feel you have to sell the house. And that determines whether you make a profit. Very few people lose money on real estate, but I think the most important thing to know is you got to get in the game. You gotta if get you don't game. get in the game when you're young, you're behind the eight ball, you, it's so hard to catch up. I remember I shied away on my first purchase of a studio. It took me like seven years to be able to afford it again. I mean, once I had the studio, I got a one-bedroom, got a two-bedroom, got a three-bedroom, finally got a penthouse, what I wanted. It wouldn't have happened if I hadn't gotten in the game when I was like 30 years old, probably too late even then. What I'm seeing with my peers is paralysis. Mm-hmm. They're Crazy. trying to figure out where do I go and when, and they don't know where to go, so they do nothing. And it sounds well, like that's the worst thing to do. The worst thing to do. And also when everyone decides it's a safe time to come out, everybody's competing with you, overbidding like crazy, and you don't get anywhere anyway. It's yeah. bad now, but it's going to get better if it. everybody gets in the game. I got it. It's like the Warren Buffett thing when there's blood in the streets, get in the game. All right, I want to talk about this, about getting in the game. I saw on your TikTok, mm-hmm. you talked about how you were looking for a like marketing strategy for the Corcoran Group. So mm-hmm. what you did was you sent information about the real estate numbers in like the 80s to a New York Times journalist. You sent it to all of them. You yes. didn't see anything. You didn't see anything. All of a sudden, you see there's a huge headline in there. Real estate prices hit all-time lows, well. right? And then Barbara Corcoran is in there as the real estate expert, and you said your phone was ringing off, off the, the charts, hook. off the hook. Then fast forward decades later, your phone's ringing off the hooks now because of the way that you're in social media. So through all that, from writing papers to social media, you've stayed at the forefront of being seen. People today are lost. How do I get my brand seen? How do I get my business seen? What do I do? Those people that are lost, that don't know how to get eyeballs on them, what advice would you give them? Well, you have to realize it's all the same. It's a matter of how do I get attention. When I built the Corcoran Group, I would have never built the company if I wasn't good at bullshit, market (laughs) reports, advertising, PR. I could think of a story a minute and put it out there whether it was true or not. You know, By the time they came to to cover the story, it was kind of true in my book. Built the Barbara Corcoran brand without the use of that because it's outdated. Now I use, of course, social media like we all do. And what a level playing field. I mean, I think it's so much easier to build a brand today. I don't think I'm being glib by saying that but anyone who has a good story to put out and is not afraid to look like a fool and try different things you could try a million things to see what sticks but with social media today the world is right there for you to take to get the attention you need 
I think that's such a good advice for people to hear that are like afraid of it. You've seen it. Just like, I think it's the fear of what people are going to say if they put something out there. They're going to be embarrassed by it. But for them to hear from you, someone who's seen it from then to now, Mm. and you're saying this is the easiest way to get exposed. It's it's like, wake up people. Get it out there. And you don't have to pay for it. Yeah. Imagine that. And people will eventually pay you for being there. How about that? It's kind of (laughs) crazy. But, you know, isn't that the same thing that stops everybody with everything? Fear of what the next guy thinks? That's true. Or fear of just thinking of what you think of yourself by failing. What's your trading secret for people that are afraid of what other people think? To know that everybody's afraid. I mean, I used to think I was the only scared person in a room, the only mm. insecure person, the only person who maybe wasn't as capable as the next guy standing next to me. And then I realized everybody's afraid, just some people have a better act than others, and I've gotten over it. What I love about fear is it motivates. When you're scared, you run. Yeah. Okay, fear for me, fear of being well, found out is not capable or shown is not capable, got me running hard all my life. If I didn't have that fear, I don't think I'd be successful. It's your best friend. Got it. So use the fear to run at it, not away. It sounds like easy to do, Yeah. but it's a habit you form. Yeah. You know, every time I'm scared, I go, okay, I'm scared. Let's do it again. And here yeah. we go again. Here we go again. And I don't expect success. That's it. Generally, five things I try, one successful. Yep. So that's it. When I know I'm on number four, flop, I yep. know success is around the corner. There you go. I My like numbers that. are coming in. <laughs> numbers are coming in. Fight or flight, too. That's such a real thing. Like when people are fearful, humans or animals, like we are taught to leave. Yes. And are. so changing that, like just that whole rhythm to yeah. actually get into it is something that's huge. And the social media stuff, I know you've been an advocate of it. You've crushed it. You're killing mm-hmm. it. And the Money Mafia back home. I'm Money not going to tell you what Barbara told me she would do if I poached her social no, media no, no, team. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not going to tell him. I'm not going <laughs> to tell him. But long story short, I can't poach her social te- you're media not team. You're doing it. They're incredible, <laughs> and you're doing awesome on Shark Tank. Two more questions on Corcoran Group. Yeah. I still travel around, you know, whether Hamptons, wherever I am, South Carolina, all mm-hmm. coast to coast, and I see your signs, Corcoran Group. It's still up. Mm-hmm. Do you still have any affiliation? They bought the brand, Corcoran Group. You know, today, I don't have anything to do with the company, but we're like distance lovers. Yeah. I can't have a single day where I don't run into people on the street wherever I travel and say, I'm one of your agents. They think yeah. I still own the shop, yeah. you know. So, but... Uh, more importantly, I have such a love affair with Corcoran Group because of the people that I built there. We have parties every second or sometimes I let three years go with all of our old timers. We have outrageous parties that old women shouldn't be attending. <laughs> and I don't What's your go-to drink? Car- yeah. What's your go-to drink? Oh, it's not about the drink. It's okay. the entertainment, please. Oh, okay. <laughs> but the women go in there and I just remember the last party, one of them said, I haven't seen young flesh in years. <laughs> but I don't let I them bring the cameras I hold the pictures okay they can't post about it they don't even know how to post honestly <laughs> but we have outrageous parties because of our, of our affection for each other so I never really left Corcoran Group emotionally you know gotcha yeah. so when you see those signs you don't see that it's like that's my name and they're benefiting off it you're like that's my name I'm proud of it and I'm I want to so be part proud. of it even though I'm gone just imagine the opposite if the business had gone belly up had been yeah. mismanaged and they hadn't progressed the business I would be heartbroken for the rest of my life so you sold it for $66 million. Yes. We know that story. Yes. A question I have to ask myself is I'm here, and right now you're in your 70s. Your schedule's two times more packed than I'm actually than in my 50s. You're you, you, oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. look like you're in your 30s. <laughs> you are in your 50s. The bullshit internet says in your 70s. But your schedule's more jammed than most people that are listening to this podcast. And I think to myself, when you sell a company that you work so hard for $66 million, 
you know, did you ever think like when's enough enough and, and what is enough? How do you battle that of when is enough enough? Well, I ask you, when, when yeah. do you finish having fun? You know, for most yeah. of us who are building businesses, it's not about the money. I've never, I've invested in tons of businesses, but I don't find the guys motivated by the money are the successful ones. It's ones that love the process of what can we do lately? What can we do next? Where can we go next? You know, when I sold my business, I thought I would retire. I thought I'd take cooking classes and finally learn how to cook good Italian food. But it didn't <laughs> work out. That? I took one class, <laughs> and I, I knew this wasn't for me. As you, I'm sure, are aware, all the fun is in the getting there. Yeah. And so why, why would I end the fun of getting there? You mm -hmm. don't know what's around the corner, what the potential is, what you could do with the next person you meet. It's just too, too much of a blast yeah. to, to give up. I'm yeah. addicted to fun. Addicted to fun, addicted to the game. And that game then brought you to Shark Tank. And I just read an article on Yahoo mm -hmm. about the whole casting process. Yeah, They're going to bring you in. Mark Burnett then fires you. Yeah. You go to bat and say, give me a period to compete for this spot. Yes, so that's fair. how did that work? So they bring both of you two in. Do you know who the other person is? Of how do you compete do. for the spot? You compete for the spot because we both were tried out on set. See who's better on set. Were you next to each other or not? Uh, no, because there was only room for one of us. So okay. There was one female seat, so we each tried out for the female seat. The men didn't have to try out. There were four men. They got their seat from the get-go. So the women competed for the seat, but I don't think I've had a happier moment being as competitive as I am. At the end of the day, when they, I saw them took the other lady's star off her trailer, <gasps> and my star was still in the trailer. There. I'm like, could it be? Could it be? <laughs> but if I hadn't stood up for myself and said, bring us back out to compete. She already had the spot. Thank God I spoke up. Thank God you Thank spoke God up. Spoke Think about up. how that changed your well, life. Well, I would have done some other great career, I'm sure. You're damn right you What would. a lucky break that was. That was a lucky break. But, but by speaking up, I made my own luck that day. Right, so they let, they let you go, you speak up, they bring you in the game to then test for it. Just paint the picture a little more. So did they bring the other sharks in and then have you in a seat to test? Or yeah, did, we were, were you by yourself? No, we were all in our seats. So okay. they let one woman be in half the show for half the day, and the other woman took the seat in the other afternoon. Wow. And so what are you? what's going through your head? Because I think this will help people back at home when they're trying to interview or they're trying to separate themselves in a boardroom, yeah. and they have to be the one that has to differentiate. What do you think you did during that testing period to be the shark that made you what you were? And I thought that son of a bitch is going to get my seat. <laughs> I'm very competitive. Yeah. I've competed for things I don't even want simply because I'm competitive. I thought to myself, I will kill her. I will get my seat. I called it my seat that yeah. I wanted. Yeah. And so that always brings out your best performance. All right. So 14 seasons of Shark Tank later, 130 deals made on the show. I saw the largest deal was a $350,000 investment for 40% of cover play. Before we get into some of those numbers, what I got to ask you is, because that's a lot of deals you're doing. Does Shark Tank require you to invest in a certain amount of deals on a, on a season yeah. basis? No, thank God they don't. I imagine if you sat on a show for 14 seasons and didn't buy anything, they wouldn't be happy. But there are yeah. no rules. The only rules on Shark Tank is that you have to use your own money. You cannot know a thing about the entrepreneur before they walk through the door. You know nothing. Yeah. 
and you have to give the entrepreneur the money they're asking for. You can't negotiate down from that number. Other than that, there are no rules on Shark Tank. It's reality TV, it's an authentic thing, and it's stressful. It feels real. stressful. I get nervous watching it sometimes. You do sometimes. Yeah, like those people that come in and then they don't know their business and yeah, then they get bad. turned inside out. I start, I'm like, how did you go into the tank not knowing your business? Yeah, well, it breaks my heart when yeah. I see that. You, know? uh, I, you could tell just based on the shark you are. A question though, you said they won't let you negotiate down. You guys negotiate down all the time. No, I'm sorry. They will. They won't let you negotiate the number. They want 450. Yeah. You could offer oh. the 450. You could want more stock in the company. You Gosh, could add no. on little things, but you have to give them the 450. Okay, so what they ask for, you have to do, but you, you can structure to. it in any single way. Yes, and the best way in my book to structure it, yeah. when you're unsure of the deal, is I'll give you the 450, half in a loan. And half an equity, okay. but I want the same equity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Most yeah. people say no. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure. Interesting. It's so fascinating to me. When you said you have to have your own money, could you like? I would think if I was a shark, which I <laughs> never will be, but maybe one day, I would think to like create a holding company. I own 100 percent of it, mm -hmm. and get LPs to raise a fund, and then go into the Shark Tank. There are pro poker players we've had on this podcast. Before mm. they go to the World Series of Poker, they'll raise like ten wow. million bucks, and then they go play all the tournaments. And they never lose. And if, and if they, they do, never lose? they'll never lose then because they also have oh. sponsorships, so they know they're going to win. I see. Do any of the sharks create like a fund like that, even though it's your money because it's your company, and then use that, or is it all one hundred percent self funded? It's one hundred percent self funded. You know, I've been proposed over the years. So many people want to invest in my Shark Tank fund. Yeah, they really get into it. And I get real excited but I never go there. You know why? I can't stand the thought of losing somebody else's money. And I lose money on most of my businesses and I make a killing on some of them. And I wouldn't sleep at night if I thought it was somebody else's money. I lose the money, it hurts, yeah. but it's my money. No, yeah. I just don't want to go there. It's probably a great financial plan because yeah. you shelter yourself. Yeah. But you don't shelter the next guy, so it's not for me. Interesting. I heard the other sharks, I think. It's shark, the other sharks are the same way. No, I don't think they do anything like that. Okay. I heard if on... they do, they better come clean and tell me. Yeah, they might. I feel like Kevin O'Leary might do something like nah, that. No, I'd want a fund, but... No, it's, okay. it's your suspicion that maybe he's a wheelie dealer, you're he's right, but dealer. not that kind of thing, I don't think. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. All right, well, there's that. I heard on Hannah Burner's podcast, mm -hmm. you made a comment that you're really good at making money. You're actually not so the best in the world at making money on your money. And when I heard that, mm -hmm. I was like, tell me more about that. Because I was surprised. That caught my attention. Really? It's two different skills. Yeah. You know, if you make money, how do you make money? You have great judgment. You know who to trust. You hire people. You believe in an idea that works. And you see the what's wrong with an idea that doesn't work in advance. Okay. And so you build an empire. Easy for me. Because I have natural gifts in all those arenas. However, making money on money... What stocks do you buy? Do you do bonds? Should I do more real estate? Is it lopsided? The advice I get is all over the board. And I don't know who to believe. When I sold my business, I was approached by probably maybe 200 investment bankers for a year, all wanting my money and how they were going to invest. I didn't trust any of them. <laughs> so I put my money in a checking account. That didn't even draw interest. I should have at least known that much. The yeah. 66 million should have interest. I just stuck it at Citibank yeah. and waited. Because you know what? I don't trust easily. Until I finally found an accountant that I totally trust and he guided me. Let's hope I'm right. 
It's been like 25 years. <laughs> Hopefully they're down. Let, I haven't even checked my balance sheet. Let me check right now. <laughs> Let's get those income yeah, statements yeah, yeah. going up balance sheet. No, I'm no good at making money. I don't even like to have financial meetings. They bore the hell out of me, and yeah. I don't have anything to contribute. You guys do what you do well. You girls do what you do well. And let me just make more money. I think that's really fascinating because there is an art of making money. There is an art of making money on your money. Mm. I think most people think those go one in one, hand in hand. They Nothing don't to do with each other. They don't. Mm. And figuring out which one of those is best for you could have a huge impact on career navigation for the people listening mm. at home and financial what, what's, management. What's the common ground is opportunity. You have an opportunity to make money. You need opportunity. You have an opportunity to make money on your money. You need the opportunity. But one requires a lot more trust. I think me investing my money through other people scares me every time. Me investing in what I see and what I believe in could make money never scares me. Golden question I got for you. Mm-hmm. Shark Tank, we talk, we've had every reality show cast on and we talk about what you make what do you get paid to be on shark tank how's that i'm work? not going to tell you what i'm paid but let me tell you <laughs> at least i try they pay me very well yeah gotcha. but anyway i spend all that money on my businesses that i buy and i spend a lot of my own money on the businesses i buy so who really cares what they pay what shark tank brings more than anything else is other opportunity right the opportunity it brings is vast huge yeah i want to talk about that opportunity but i'll end with this question see if you'll give me this on an annual basis, what they pay you versus what you invest. Do you typically invest more than what they Much pay more. you? Much Definitely. more. You couldn't be effective on Shark Tank if you didn't almost have a reckless abandonment to investing your money. Hey, by the way, I yeah. said I was no good at making money on my money on Shark Tank. You did I pretty money good. On my money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Darn right. But I'm investing in people. There's a whole different. Yeah. kettle of fish to trust people versus money, 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 you know? Yeah. You talked about some of your best deals. What is the best return you ever got in a deal from well, investment on Shark Tank? That would be in the, on the Comfy product. I invested $50,000. No other sharks were interested. I thought the guys were a little bit out of their mind, but fun-loving and had kind of an interesting concept, all they had of a product. And I invested $50,000, and they made $450 million in sales what? in three years. <laughs> wow. A shocking that is unbelievable. Yeah. Well, uh, it's, you should believe it. <laughs> yeah. Do you have? Uh, that's just amazing. What about? Do you have a deal that you got into that you think twice about? Like maybe I should have just let you know Kevin or Mark have it. Do you have one of those deals that keeps you up at night from Shark Tank? Well, it doesn't keep me up at night. But is there a deal that I should have let the other guys or girls have yeah. or girl have? Most of them. <laughs> I should have given it better thought. But you know, you get into a certain headset on Shark Tank. Yeah. I always have to fall in love with the person, and those are always my winning deals. When I have no care for what money the business is making, or even what product it is, believe it or not, I try to erase it in my thinking. And I just say, do I like this person? When I make my decisions based on that, they're my winners every time. Okay. Okay? Gotcha. So... People, people, people. People, people, people. I don't have regrets on the deals that I lose money on or pass by. What I do have regrets on are people that I've misjudged, and then I start to wonder, am I a good judge of people? But I get over it by the next deal. Okay. I want your take on reality TV, because I've been in the tank of reality TV, and I, I know what it's like when there's just a lot of cameras on, and there's a lot of people, and everyone's trying to grab the attention. Mm-hmm. And so my biggest thought process, just like business and, and strategy, is when you talk, make it meaningful, mm-hmm. but keep it quick. Mm. Do 
you have any biased. things when it comes to like reality TV? You're dealing with these big personalities who have super success, but you <laughs> got to be Barbara. You got to build that brand. You got to stand out. What type of things, as far as like TV stuff, do you do from a strategy perspective? That I have a million strategies every year. I prepare like crazy because I'm over preparer. I have pages of notes, pages of sound bites, pages of angles that I could work. And then I sit in my seat, I forget them all. Because one thing gets in my way, insecurity. Yeah. I sit there and I try to think, how the hell am I going to be heard here? The guys talk louder than me. Lori talks louder than me. They cut me off. I'm polite. A lot of them aren't polite. <laughs> and so I sit there worried about getting any sound in. Never mind the right words. Never mind something clever that I thought of only yesterday. I owned it. And now I can't remember it. So what I have done in the last three years that I finally came into my own, I just sit in that seat and I listen and I don't worry about what I'm going to say or how often I'm going to say it. And so I come out with meaningful stuff because I'm listening so hard. And because I'm so such an accurate judge of people and what's wrong with them and what's right with them. Yeah. So I just question on that and I always have something worthwhile to say. I actually finally play myself versus worried all these years about, oh my God, oh my God. So yeah. I finally didn't get over my insecurity, but I've, I've, I'm finally feeling better. Yeah, and as a viewer of the show, that transparency is seen through the screen. You like think it's so? oh, it's so clear that you're just purely yourself and authentic, mm -hmm. and actually that's what I think makes people so magnified to you mm -hmm. is because it's just you being you and not trying to get that scene. Yeah. And it's like it's a lot easier. Yeah, something yeah. about the whole authenticity just creates magnification. I'm happy you're right? falling for it. I'm falling for it, Barbara. I'm here. I'm sold. We were just born in different times, you know? <laughs> All right. Let me ask you about this. I have two questions about public figures. Mm. Let me start with the first one. So what is the most, the most impressive public figure you've come across either because you were on the set of Shark Tank or it was like a red carpet with Shark Tank. This whole Shark Tank has given you exposure. You've had tons of exposure, but to like mm -hmm. massive public figures. Who's the most impressive public figure you've met as a result? Easily, Kevin Hart. Interesting. He was such a surprise to me. Tell me I, more. Well, he's such a phenomenal comic, as you know. And we all had that impression of him. So I thought he was going to be quick-witted on the show. I thought he was going to be the funny man. I thought he was going to make his funny faces. Not at all. Huh. He has been, for me, the most brilliant guest shark I've ever seen on Shark Tank by a mile. His mind is so bright, so fast, so analytical, so creative. And he talks as fast as he thinks, like a stream of like a machine gun. Wow. It's not a wasted word. When he was on the set the first day, the major problem we had with him on the set is none of the sharks were saying anything. We were so busy staring at him and taking in what he was saying, we forgot we had to talk. Wow. By the second day on the set, we started talking again. But he blew me away. What I didn't like about Kevin Hart is he gave his first deal to Lori. Okay, not you. Yeah, not me. Boy, was I jealous. I thought, oh, I never care about getting in bed with a guest shark. I don't care yeah, who whatever. I do business with. I like my Mark Cuban. I like my Damon to do deals with once in a while. But with him, I was dying to jump into bed with him. Then in the afternoon this first day, by the afternoon of the second of the first day, he gave me the opportunity to be his partner. I'm like, yes, yes. I must have been 12 years old. I'm like, yes, yes, pick me, pick me. And then I hesitated when the entrepreneur asked for more money. And he looked at me and said, what do you think, Barbara? I said, 
no, it's too much. And with that, Mark said, I'll take it. And he bought me out of the bed. He took the other one. I sat there like I had lost my worst, my best lover. Yeah. (laughs) Just sitting there. I never felt so young and vulnerable in my life. Swore if he gave me an opportunity once more, I would take anything. (laughs) That's truly Barbara's biggest regret at Shark Tank. It really is. It really is. Personal and professional heartbreak. Took me a week to get over it. Oh, my gosh. Kevin Hart, if you're out there, Barbara's ready to do a deal with you. Please, bring it back. Any deal. Any term. <laughs> any deal, any term, you name the numbers. All right, let me ask you this. We're on public figures. There's a ton of public figures out there right now. Yeah. There are Who you know, isn't public? Yeah, anymore. who isn't? There's influencers, there's celebrities, there's movie stars, there's everything. Mm. You invest in people. Yes. If you had to invest in one public figure, given all the things you're seeing right now, who is someone you would buy equity or stock in? I could. If I could, I would buy... 100% of Alex Earl. Alex Earl. How come? Tell us why. She's a moneymaker. Everything about her is a moneymaker. She's young. She's got a good running distance that she could still make money like for like maybe the next 50 years. She's gorgeous. She's sexy. She's articulate. And she picks up followers like it's just nothing to it, like breadcrumbs. She's amazing. Exactly. And what she's being paid per endorsement, what was her, can I ask, what was? I heard 750K per post. Uh, is that true? Yeah. 750K per posting? I, I got to believe that's not true. I know that I know that deals have been sent her way in the six-figure range. And I know like the low really? six-figure range. And I know she's declined. Per posting? Yeah. Per posting? Per posting. Yeah. I hate her. I'm jealous. I'm <laughs> One jealous. picture, damn it. Darn. <laughs> it's unbelievable. All right. What about that with Shark Tank? Now with influencers making so much money and having so much power, mm. what if they brought influencers on and you bought equity in their posts and stuff? I think you're I think maybe. Mm. Might maybe. be an interesting twist. Yeah. Uh, but remember, the producers are all older. That's true. Their head's back in the TV space. They want yeah. giant sports figures, heroes. Yeah. Well-known comics, well-known actresses. They haven't made that transition, but you want to know something? It's a great idea, and do you mind? I'm going to propose it and take the credit for it. Propose it, take the credit, and then, like, if you need an admin or something, like, you just need, like, an assistant to, like, you know, make sure your chair is at the right setting, I'll be that person. (laughs) I would have to leave my chair and go on a date with you. I would never sit in my chair. Deal. We'll get Caitlin's approval on that. All right. Let's transition to some life career stuff. What is the single most amount of money that you've lost on a business transaction? It doesn't have to be related to Shark Tank. Just Uh the single most amount. The very first real estate investment I ever made, I bought a 12-room motel in Dutchess County, Gloyd's Motel. Okay. I had a great rent roll. I thought, here I am. I'm doing it. I'm 32. I'm buying my first hotel, my first investment, feeling like a big shot. I asked the attorney to show me all the figures. I looked at the rent roll. Boy, there were 12 tenants, high rent for what this dumpy place was. Bought it. Nobody had paid their rent in three years. <sighs> Six months later, everybody was evicted for non-payment of rent. They didn't have the money to pay. They were all unemployed. And I buried the hotel. That was my first successful real estate deal it was a disaster wow how much did you lose on that deal 600,000 but that was when I was 30 so to say that's the equivalent and I had no money so it seemed like a million trillion dollars you know yeah yeah so that was a lot of money then and it was terrible but I learned my lesson Yeah. yeah I always check my numbers and it's helped me out shark tank I check those numbers thoroughly I want to ask for the viewers back home if they don't know what it means when you said, I buried that hotel. What does that mean? Literally, I dug a hole <laughs> and, well, I didn't do it. I had tractor trailers coming. Just dig a hole it. and 
and demoed it and buried it and put the dirt back on top. And then what do you do? Did you sell the dirt then? Or? I took the loss. I owned oh. the land for probably six years. I think I was paid $12,000 for it six, seven years later. Okay. You yeah. touched on something there about Shark Tank. I just got to quickly step my foot back into that tank mm-hmm. about the numbers. Mm-hmm. I've always wondered, you guys do the numbers so damn quick when mm-hmm. like, you come up with the structures and the percentages. Yeah. Is there ever a time that someone like miscalculated and then after the show you're like, I don't know if I could commit to that? Because you do it so quick out there with no yeah. calculators, no analysts behind you. Yeah. Is it, like, Does anybody ever screw those numbers up? I screw up on numbers all the time. And then you're just stuck to them, right? I don't get numbers, right? okay? No, but I have Mark to my right. I ask him to do my numbers. I They, will, they edit on the show, you know. Half the stuff they cut out is me saying, I'll give you double what you're asking, or I'll give you what you ask and name the wrong number. And Mark will say, that's double what he wants. Oh, sorry, I'll give you 100, not 200. You know what they edited out, and then at the end of the day, they have me do the most redos of sound bites to get the numbers down, you know? Okay, gotcha. For 25%, oh, but they offered you 50%. I mean, for 50%. <laughs> but, but Mark's my number guy. Nobody else makes mistakes on numbers. And remember, we do our due diligence after the fact. So okay. if anything's not quite right, we have the chance to renege a bit on it. You okay, know, based on due yeah. diligence. Interesting. I want to talk a little bit about personal life. And then I also want to talk about your take on financial matters in relationships. Before we get there, Tricky, though, tricky subject. It's a very tricky one. It's like three weeks away from submitting my book two manuscript on this topic. And it has been really tough What's to write the title? on. What's title? It's called... Yeah. Talk money to me. Good to me. To I me. like that. Talk your money face to on me. Yeah. <laughs> talk yeah, 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 money yeah. to me. Uh, it's like you and your partner. Like, let's talk money. Let's talk about the things. Yeah. Okay, but I want to just ask you about this on the personal side of things. Yes. Since going on the show and going from massive business, female, woman, entrepreneur, and leader to celebrity, public figure, like well known. How much has that show changed business for you, changed life for you, changed monetarily opportunities for you? Like, how has that changed things? It's been the best thing that's ever happened to me since selling my business. You know, there's, I, I'm constantly amazed how much money notoriety is worth. Yeah. I'm the same person selling the same thing that I always have. I think my selling card is people trust me, so I sell, and I don't not tell the truth, and I believe in what I say, and people sense it. However, with Shark Tank, everybody buys in. With enough people seeing you as a public figure, everybody buys in. It takes the one-on-one relationships, relationships that I used to build trust on and turns them one to a million. Okay, So I make money on it. I mm-hmm. make money on speeches, endorsements from everybody in the world that have nothing to do with my brand, really. But if I say the brand is a good brand, people are going to trust it. So I make money there. I owe all of my revenue to Shark Tank because it gave me the notoriety card. Mm-hmm. And that's so valuable. It's now, aren't you going to ask about the personal side? Yeah. Well, I'm going to ask about the personal side. i got okay. one more, though. Okay. One more. So on this side, because you alluded to the crazy things you get compensated for, what is like one obscure thing that you get compensated for and how much since you've been a celebrity figure? For example, I know, I think I heard that like Nicki Minaj went to a... It was like a bar mitzvah in Long Island and got paid 350 grand to show up to do 20 minutes of singing, something mm-hmm. like that. Is there anything like obscure that you've gotten that you can remember? The obscure things for me, the most that I say, what the heck am I doing here is in costumes. I wear costumes for all my entrepreneurs for updates. 
and they're memorable. I've dressed as a pig for pork barrel barbecue sauce. I've dressed as the boogie grabber. What a, what was I, a bear? Her logo's a bear. I dressed as a bear in the aisles of Kmart or whatever the hell it was. Are so many costumes. Put a costume on Barbara, she'll wear that big head. You know, and then your makeup looks like terrible when you bring, bring your head off, you know. So I constantly find myself being a clown to benefit other people, but it works in the TV space. It's memorable. It's silly. And kind of people love you for it. At least my entrepreneurs love me for it. I think I always wonder, am I ruining my career finally today? <laughs> <laughs> Whether it's right in the times in the 70s, it's, it's content creation, it's being in these costumes, you'll do what it takes to create yeah. a buzz, and you've done it, and it's been successful. All right, let's get into relationships. Yes. This whole talk money to me, the idea of opening financials to your partner, a big conversation, a big topic of buzz out there is prenups. Do you have a specific take on prenuptial agreements? Well, this they're essential. A lot of people think a prenup is for the rich. You know, you have uh, equity to protect. I don't believe in that. I mean, I had potential to in myself. I felt I had the potential to be a moneymaker when I was very young. So I had a prenup with my first husband. Thank God I did. Because the business went from five people to about 500 in the seven years I was married to him. And I kept growing. Thank God I had that prenup, you know. My second husband, I had a postnup. Because I trusted him so much until a lot of money was put on the table for my business. I made him sign it before I signed the deal. Because I said, I'm not going to worry about this. And I love Bill dearly. I'm still married to him. But when I go to bed at night, I love him more because of my post-up. Because I know everything's taken care of. I think when you introduce a prenup to younger people, it can destroy engagements. I've seen it happen a half dozen, dozen times. Very touchy. But if you can possibly get through it, man, it gives you peace of mind. A lot of people overlook that. They think, this is what you have, this is what I have, how will we divide it up? No. If you're just getting started, you're a young person, you've got to cover potentially income from what source to that house it's divided. Okay, it's pre, it's during, and it's after. Yes. All right, we're going to talk more about prenumps and postnumps in the recap. I want to end with this on the relationship stuff. People are out there and they're saying, I really don't know much about what my partner makes. What do you think are some of the top things they should know about their partner as it relates to anything financially run a credit check there you go (laughs) right away that's a that's a beginning just run a credit check ask for a financial statement it sounds so cold doesn't it yeah but it's like getting your house in order on the right footing to get started with right right so what's wrong with that i think a credit check Gets a lot of dirt out of the wash. Like, what about this bill? What about it? Opens that conversation. Yeah, and we talk about this whole thing of gaslighting, like this idea of making people think crazy with the different things you say. But what about making people th- think they're crazy, like gaslighting them through your assets? Like, you got this fancy car and this fancy watch and this fancy suit, but you, there's nothing behind it. There's no credit. There's past due bills. So for me, it's like open all that stuff up, and there's more transparency. And then there's more but, connection. Yes, but what really happens when that stuff gets opened up and it's bad news, the transaction doesn't usually happen. And that's the reality. Yeah. You know? I often ch- joke with my children. I say, with Dad, he looked like a rich guy. Came from a rich family, third generation wealth. Why didn't I ask him for a financial statement? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I so. love that. I love that. That's a great story. All right. Well, Barbara, I could talk to you for another two hours. I have a million more questions to ask you, but we're going to end with your trading secret because you are a busy woman with things to do. So what is one trading secret that our listeners can get from you? I would say don't overlook the basic thing about an individual, which is do they make good eye contact? Yeah. Every time I see an entrepreneur in Shark Tank, if they break eye contact with me, I don't buy. Period. I'm out. I don't say I'm out for another 45 minutes, but (laughs) I'm out.
when someone breaks eye contact easily, you like to think maybe it's nerves on the show, but my great entrepreneurs don't break eye contact. They look you straight in the eye. I have so many guys that come on Shark Tank that won't look at Lori and I, and I know they're never going to let a woman invest in their business. So I sit back and relax and ask a few questions. But I do trust my gut. I also have a trick I use if I'm uncertain, which isn't that often, but I'll say, would I trust this person with my kid when Tommy was younger, Kate was younger? Would I let them babysit this kid for an hour or would I go to war and throw the kid in his arms and come back and how would the kid be? And I think, never, and I'm out. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Trust is everything. You know, I contend that all the deals I've made on Shark Tank with my great entrepreneurs, we never needed a paper contract. We have them. They're so honorable. And when we make a ton of money and there's a lot of money on the table to be had, there's no infighting, there's joy for each other. It's all the character of the individual. So I know I'm talking too long, but the whole thing is the person, can they be trusted? And do you want to jump into bed with them? That's all it is. The rest of it is all noise. doesn't right. make much of a difference. I think that's great advice. And for anyone back home, if you can't be trusted, maybe that's why you're not getting that next job, that next opportunity, or your next business partner. Really think about how you can build trust. Barbara, this has been super insightful, the personal side, the relationship side, the behind the scenes of Shark Tank. Thank you so much for being on Trading Secrets. Where can people find everything Barbara Corcoran? Just follow me on social media. I never, I never deliver that. There you <laughs> go. Kill me. All the work they do, I never deliver that. The yeah. queen of real estate, I'll tell you, go follow her right now. Her content's incredible. Sometimes I'll use just some of her themes to try and replicate myself. They're that good. Barbara, thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much. Ding, ding, ding. We are closing in the bell to the Barbara Corcoran episode. What a legend. She is the best. Her energy is unbelievable. David, I got to say, when I walk in, she was just fight, like pistols out, like pew, 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 firing, chirping. She was like a little flirty. It was hilarious. She, she <laughs> was. I thought she was going to ask you on a date by the end of it. Like, come on, Barbara. Like, <laughs> Let's pump the brakes here a little bit. She came off the gates when Barbara, when I saw Barbara Corcoran say the word bullshit, I was like, wait, this is not the Barbara Corcoran that I envisioned. Like she is, she is with it. She's witty. She's funny. I have to ask you a question. This wasn't the first time that you interviewed her, right? Wasn't she on the OG restart spotlight back in the day, like years ago? We did an okay. IG live when the Trading Secrets podcast page on YouTube was Restart, where we only did financial tutorials. It's now Trading Secrets podcast page, so please all go subscribe. But yeah, man, we did that before Caitlin went on uh, Dancing with the Stars. And I'll never forget, because she had gone on Dancing with the Stars, she had said to me, watch out. Those dudes are <laughs> sexy, and they can dance, and they're going to be gunning for your girl. And then she sent me, David, I have it framed in my office. It's a picture of her and her dancer, Keo, from Dancing with the Stars. And she just wrote, be aware, uh, Caitlin so Tight, and signed it. Like, ultimate chirper. Just chirping 24-7. I didn't see that side of her coming out, but, but she alluded to it. I'll get right into it. When she was talking about Shark Tank and the opportunity we got presented to herself, she said, and this is a quote, she, there was one other female she was competing with for the seat at, at the table for Shark Tank. She goes, quote, I will kill her to get that seat. That son of a bitch isn't going to get my seat. You can see how she said she's, <laughs> you know, I tried to be witty, funny, and playful, but she said it was all driven by hate, which is like crazy, but you need that competitive edge to get to where you want to be in business sometimes. And I, she owns it, man. To see her in this element was, was awesome. 
don't yeah. know if you felt a wake up call at all, but for me, I'm like, man, I got to get a little bit more like gritty. Cause I'd be like, oh, I really want it. But if I don't like, all right, next thing, you know? And her killer instincts is why she's, you know, probably got over a hundred million dollars well, of net worth. Yeah. Right? Or definitely. And I think million. sometimes you just have to narrow in on the perspective of how bad you really want things, right? If you believe in Shark Tank is going to be this, there's only five seats up there. So five seats out of everybody in the world who can be up there, you better get a little cutthroat because I bet you the other person will be too. But, you know, she has the resume and everything to back it up. Now, is something that we could take from her, one thing that you could provide her, and I, I couldn't believe this, was the fact that she had $66 million sitting in a checking account. I have quoted in here, she's one of us. What was your reaction to that? And is there any perspective gained with someone like Barbara Corkin handling her money that way for our viewers out there? If you have $66 million sitting in a checking account today, and right now you can get 5% off treasury bonds, I mean, it's insane. She could have got $3.3 million <laughs> in guaranteed returns from that $66 million without any bit of risk whatsoever. So to me, the, the interesting thing, David, is that we put people on pedestals all the time, right? And then we generalize. We think Shark exited a company for 60 plus million. We think she has it all figured out. And I love that she tells us, I don't. In fact, I'm so shitty at making money on my money. I'm just good at making money. And to me, it was a reminder, we could all check ourselves. Stop holding ourselves to the expectation that other people set for us. Just figure out what it is you are really good at. Crush it. And the things that you're not in the business realm, whatever realm, find ways to work with people who are. Like, Because if you told me going into this, Barbara Corcoran sucked at making money on her money, I'd be like, you're it's stupid. Like, come on. It's crazy. Suck. And I think something that you could feel good about if you're out there, if you have $600 not in a checking account, in a, in a high interest savings or in a, you know, mutual fund. I don't even know if you can put 600 in a mutual fund or in a Robin Hood or an investment account, then you could feel good about that because you're at least trying to make money on your money and Barbara just likes it sitting there. But, you know, and like you said, get professionals who can help you. She said, I don't even like financial meetings. They bore me. I hire people to do those things for me. She's just <laughs> electric. I love the honesty. I'm like, Fuck, it's incredible. It's Are you familiar at all with the, the, company comfy her biggest deal 50k for 33 percent that did 450 million in sales in her first three years because i know without before knowing that she was the shark on this i had bought my niece one for christmas one year and she loved it david i'm on a list right now the top 25 shark tank products that are totally genius that crushed it that's number two number one is the bala bangles wearable wrist and ankle weights for when you're working out number two was comfy number three Remember Bombas, or they're still in the game big time, Bombas ankle socks? They're yes. everywhere. That was from Shark Tank. What? Another one, Scrub Daddy yes. sponges. My parents have like <laughs> eight. Th- these things are the best. They're everywhere. That was number four. The Books was number five. Copper Cow Coffee. I haven't seen that out. That was number six. The Hug yes. Sleep Pod. So it's a little yep. blanket you put on that feels like you are actually sleeping. What's this one? This one's cool. Fur Zapper pet hair remover. No, never. Oh my God. Wait, what? <laughs> Wait a second. Did you know Manscaped came I did from not. Shark Tank? 
What? Manscaped wow. is at number nine. The Squatty Potty Bathroom Toilet, number 10. I got to do one more because I'm blown away. Kodiak oh, wow. Cakes, the protein pancake powder. That's in every grocery store. I crush this stuff. I use their, I actually have their frozen yeah. waffles that are unbelievable. Blueberry. Blueberry. Yep. That was from Wow. This is crazy, That's man. It's crazy. Shark Tank serving its purpose. You know, it's not like Shark Tank's not like these other, you know, shows sometimes, talent shows or singer shows where you, someone wins and you never hear from them. Shark Tank's bring us the hits. In our everyday life, day in, day out, it's just incredible. Wait, the yeah. ring? I, I'm going to sit here all day. The no ring, way. The video doorbell? That's another Shark Tank one. Yeah. I'm blown away. It's Now, great. one thing I got to say right. about the whole Shark Tank thing, and I think we can take always here for the people for the takeaways, is some of her strategies in how she says that she chooses people. And it's not always necessarily about the product or the valuation. She says that she likes investing in people. And she said that her worst deals were her worst judge judges of character on people. I actually saw something on, I think it was Twitter this morning, how Damon John had to just finally get a restraining order on one of his people that he entered a partnership with from Shark Tank from some you know barbecue company or something. And just, you know, you hear about the good ones like Comfy, but she says she loses the money on a lot of her deals. And just really the biggest takeaway isn't necessarily the product or the valuation or the sales strategy. It's the people and the and the character behind it. And she says, don't mistake basic things about an individual, like breaking eye contact. Would I let them babysit babysit my kids, et cetera. I just thought that that was a really powerful takeaway. And, and sometimes we get wrapped up in some big things, but it really goes back down to the basics of, are you a good person? Yeah. I mean, my eye contact, I try to keep a good touch in with that and be cognizant after she said, that, yeah. I'm so <laughs> dialed in. I'm like, Barbara, I will stare you down in your eyes until this interview is over, honey. Which she probably um, loved. But I think it's, a, yeah. yeah, which she might. I love <laughs> but I do think there's a good takeaway there and that relates to everything whether you're investing someone or you're just interviewing for your next job and you're thinking about the boss you want to be associated with you know more importantly than the company or even the job responsibility the boss you're reporting to every day means everything the colleagues you decide to surround yourself with that is a lesson that goes into all shapes and sizes when it comes to work and picking the people that you are aligned with David Barbara Corkin you've listed some really good ones anything else we got to make sure we tap well into I have to make sure just because I brought it up a lot when she said she would buy a hundred when you asked her what would you buy stock into she said she'd buy a hundred percent of stock into Alex Earl that she's making how much per post Jay well into the six figures. it's just insane sure. and I always have to pat myself on the back because I called this and she had 30,000 followers on TikTok no big deal this is crazy you got to give everyone the, it's like david if you could pick stocks the way that yes. you pick that influencers are going to turn yes. alex earl had thirty thousand followers and david in our group chat would always be like sending things with alex earl. he goes watch watch this person she's going to blow up she's like, and we're like david <laughs> shut the fuck up we don't care about like what now look at her she's like the next kardashian so david you again another one we totally well you can't that's going to be a new thing you can yes. invest in influencers we can't, but do you damn, feel good that right. she approved of your book title? Anytime I get approval from Barbara, like in all categories, like I'm like, yeah. I'm sold. I'm in. And anytime she gives me feedback, I'm like, I'm sold. How relatable was it when she said that she's addicted to the fun of the process and that she will never retire? That's that's the name of the game. I mean, the fun in the game keeps you alive. And I love, I don't think it is like, I think a lot of people are just motivated by money. I think for her, she's just addicted to the game. Like even when she talks about how generous she is and guess what? She is good at the game. I walked in and I told her social team, I'm like, Barbara, your social team is incredible because what you're doing yes. is absolutely unbelievable. And she's like, they are, if you get their names and you try and poach them, I will. <laughs> and she said something, I, I don't want to, I don't want to say it in, but she's like, I will like kill you would be number one. And obviously guys, she was joking, 
I would say if you took this step down from <laughs> saying I'll kill you, it was that and specific to a man. And I was like, okay, I won't talk. <laughs> now to you. I was going to ask you, and I don't know if it, I don't, <laughs> she's I was the best because I don't know if it'll get aired because you probably cut it. But she kept asking people on her people that were there about certain things. How many people on her team were there, and who was answering all the questions? There's like yeah. five people there. Yeah, there's yeah. five people there, and they. You know, they, she's she has such a valuable brand. They got to make sure every fact yeah. is right. Every little thing yeah. is dialed. So well, no, I mean, I, I loved it. The only thing that I've never that we can touch on really quick before we wrap is is a post snap. You said to bring it up in the recap. I, I don't know. I know. Obviously, we've talked about prenups. I don't think we need to go into detail there. But post snaps, what do you? Is that something that happens that you decide to, to sign and get an agreement with after you're married? So prenup, yeah, before yeah. marriage. Postnup is after a marriage agreements. And what they do, right, is they spell out in fine detail how the couple will divide all their assets if that marriage, you know, kind of goes to shit. And so one of the big things with postnups is in general, prenups, you know, the overarching theme is they're pretty important when one member of the couple has, yeah. you know, just a ton of assets or real estate or, you know, just, a, you know, whatever it might be, an inheritance. But a lot of things come after you're married. So what happens if, you know, you get married and then two years later, out of nowhere, you get this inheritance right. of $10 million Fair. you have no idea about? Then you Fair. might adjust things. So prenup, postnup, she covered it all. This was a great episode. We are going to wrap up. Before we do wrap, I got to give some shout out to our, some of our reviews have just been absolutely incredible. Go to Apple, give us five stars. We appreciate it. Danica, Danica L.I. Mom, shoot us an email, tradingsecrets at jasontardic.com. We have a gift for you. You wrote, love that you added the new pre-market trading segment. This show has inspired me to enroll in an MBA program and redefine my entrepreneurial goals. Each person's story is so unique and seemed to break the mold for traditional success. That is what we are doing here. We had a chirp, actually. Nice. We had one review. Yeah, this guy was, was chirping no, us was pretty bad. good. He gave us a, a one star and started going off about the specifics of the legal discussion that we did not cover with Haley and r referring that some of my pre-market trading comments were two-sided and got all specific. Here's what I have to say to J-N-J-S-M-I-L-E. If you're going to talk shit in reviews, that's fine. That's the place to do it. Go for it. But, but also like, put your name. You want to be this elite individual who knows everything? Put your name and let's talk. And I think the big part is the way he wrote this review is exactly what the problem is with all finance, money, and political and business talk is that you have these people that act like they're elitists, that act like they are above everyone, that use this big jargon, that make fun of you, David, for asking what pro bono is. It's people like him which is why we have barriers for everyone knowing. And that's the purpose of this show is to dumb down what some people try and make complicated so that we can all understand it because those people that are making it complicated are creating barriers for all of us to find our way. So take that, JNJ Smile. You want to come on this show? Let's go toe-to-toe, -to -toe, baby. Also, I'll say up. this. We know our audience. We know yeah. our audience. We know what our audience wants. And everyone out there, whether you have a business, whether you're in a room, whether it's personal, professional, or financial, know your audience and make sure that you are tailoring what you need to do to satisfy your audience. JNJ Smile, based on your review, you are not our audience. So for the rest of the Money Mafia, let's this guy, go. David, no, I mean, what am I going to say to that? Mike, drop whatever you need to do. That's just firing me up. 
Barbara Corcoran came here, fired us up. She's fucking saying bullshit, talking about all these things, talking about killing someone who wants to take your seat. You're getting after people in their reviews. I'm here for it. I'm all about it. Money Mafia, baby. Let's roll. All right. Money Mafia. Here we go. Give us five reviews. Five reviews. Remember to subscribe. You want the people the to give you five reviews. Five reviews. I can't even talk. Give us five reviews and five stars all in once. <laughs> Pre-market segment is staying. We're hearing a ton of feedback out there about adding a second episode. So we are very, very likely do it. going to do that. Next week, we got Chris Voss, the number one FBI negotiator in the planet who negotiated crazy, crazy hostage situations and gives us all the tips and tricks from the most wild negotiations at the highest levels internationally and how we could bring those to our day-to-day life. Even something as simple as you want to go to a certain place to dinner, how to rephrase the question with your significant other so you can go to that place. And then after that, we know he's filming right now on Paradise. He's running the show. So why not have him on the show? Wells Adams is the next week. So make sure you subscribe. Go to YouTube. Give us five stars and five reviews and keep it going. David, anything for us? No, love my mafia. Let's get after it, people. Let's go. First of many here. Let's go. Let's go. This was another episode of Trading Secrets You Couldn't Afford to Miss.